welcome back to our show. Welcome back, everybody. This is Twanda. And this is Rumel. Hey, Rumel. Hey, Ru- Hey. I am looking forward to today's episode because I really want to bring in a different perspective because you and I talk every All the time. day every day yeah uh-huh. yeah it's a lot of women energy isn't it, it, it like is. woman energy <laughs> like <laughs> it really is and and one of the things i wanted to think more about is our uh, election day night plans like what are we going to do as the results are coming in uh-huh and so mm-hmm. what we decided to do today is to bring in a friend you know, you phone a friend and see what else they're thinking about, uh, where this right. is concerned. So we are bringing in, I want to say our friend, Jesse Hamilton yes. McCoy, the second. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to say our friend because I thought he was my friend. And to be <laughs> honest, he was my husband's friend first. So like my husband would be flipping through his Facebook and I'll be sitting there with him and we'll look at him and I'll say, hey, stop. Jesse wrote something. I want to read it, mm-hmm. you know? And then eventually I just kept saying that enough. I was like, well, look, I'm just going to ask Jesse to be my friend too, so I can read his <laughs> stuff on my own. And really, that's how it got started. I just enjoyed listening to what it is he had to say and his take on things. And then I said, Ramel, you got to meet this Jesse guy mm-hmm. because he has a lot of good um take some things. I think we'll, we'll be able to have a show with him. And we put Je- Jesse, we put you on the phone and y'all, you know what happened, right? Yeah. We y'all said, know what happened. We said, Jesse, <laughs> where'd you go to school? You know what happened, right? <laughs> it's Rattler Nation up in here. It's just Rattler Nation. It, it, it's, an, it's unavoidable. You just can't avoid us. We're just everywhere. That's I swear That's I didn't right. I didn't do this on purpose. I got him myself. I was like, I found us a guest, Ramel. This would be great. And Ramel was like, wait for it. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. Oh my goodness. She it tried to get away did. from us, but she never can. I really can't. So let me tell everybody who you are, Jesse, and then just, you know, jump in and do your rather thing or whatever. That's fine. I'm okay with it. <laughs> All right. So uh, Jesse Hamilton McCoy is a law professor, a law school professor. He's a writer, a podcaster. Let me breathe. A husband, a father, <laughs> a pan-Africanist, and a proud FAMU Rattler and NCCU Legal Eagle. That is a mouthful. All right. Jesse operates by day as a housing law advocate, but often serves as a panelist at various regional and national conferences. When he isn't advocating for low-income tenants, he is on a quest to expand the genre selections of African-American literature while encouraging more Black people to write. So Mm -hmm. snap, snap, snap. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm so happy to finally to get you on our podcast so that we can we can have this conversation. I have literally. Oh, (laughs) we are like, I'm so excited to have you here. And I mean, not just because you're another rattler. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's that. (laughs) (laughs) There's that. But no, I mean, like you're a really engaging person. So I'm really looking forward. Yeah. When we had this conversation, a pre um, podcast, pre episode, pre recording conversation, we could have just gone on forever. Just talking about all things. (laughs) All things. Yeah. But today I was curious, uh, for to the both of you, what is hmm. your plan for election night? Is for us, you know, on the day of this recording, it's in it's in two days. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Tuesday, when you get finished with work, what you doing? What's your plan, Jesse? You go. Well, I want to hear yours. <laughs> well, you know, first off, I just want to be thankful uh, and cognizant of the two days that we have left before absolute <laughs> chaos. <laughs> so, we may not have a society, uh, but. My plan is going to be to treat it as I've done with all election activities. Um, I definitely get a kick out of being able to crack jokes on the process, being able to crack jokes on the candidates, uh, being able to crack jokes on the ridiculous stuff that comes out of people's mouths. But election night is an added bonus because you get to make fun of the misreporting of (laughs) 
different places. You, I think everybody remembers in 2016 where we went to bed and Hillary Clinton was winning and then woke up in the morning and was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah that, that was the time. Wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I plan to have uh, full night coverage of every uh, count, every state declaration, whatever the case may be, uh, until we figure out who the president actually is going to be, which may even be decided by the Supreme Court, which is now very pro-Trump uh, as of last week. <laughs> so, yes. so, so yeah. a lot. I just, I'm seeing you in a room with a lot of TVs <laughs> and a lot of computer screens. And, and I, I imagine that your Facebook page would be lit with all of your commentary. Absolutely. So that'll be helpful because I ain't watching it. I, will, I, will, I may pull up your yeah, Facebook. Be like, oh, what, what did Jesse say is now? Be Facebook. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. It's just going to be all my friends who are giving me the blow by blow um, because I I watched it 2016. I watched until like two o'clock in the morning. I went to bed 2016, and I went to bed in tears because mm-hmm. it was evident to me at that time who our new president was going to be, and I was hoping if I went to bed at like 2.15, that somewhere between 2.15 and 6.30 in the morning when I knew I was going to have to get up, that something drastic would change. But I knew it wouldn't. And I just, I spent so much time like stressed out. Mm. I can't change the results. So on Tuesday, I've done what I can do. I've already voted. So on Tuesday, I, okay. So you know how I like Lovecraft? (laughs) Okay, so I might have heard about that. Like Lovecraft, I obsess over Lovecraft. Okay, (laughs) so there are ten episodes. That's approximately ten hours Mm -hmm. of time that I can totally just inundate myself with that show, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna binge watch, and then I'll just you know as I pick up my phone, I'll get the little you know notifications and things. And it's not that I'm trying to be avoidant mm-hmm. of the reality, but the reality is going to be the reality. And I, I just don't have to be stressed out about it all night because it's going to, what I, if I watch it or not, it's not going to change. Well, I watched it up until it started looking bad for Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I'm going to bed. I was like, I got to, I'm going to go to bed. I just need to find out what happens when I wake up. And mm-hmm. then I woke up. And I had my first and only panic attack. Mm. Never, ever had that happen before. Yeah. And I had no idea that my body knew exactly what we were panicking about in advance. Right. It was like foreshadowing. Like, girl, it's going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, mm-hmm. and so having that experience, I decided to do something different this year. This year, I'm not going to watch. I, I still want to know some of the things like Florida. I'm curious. What are they going to find out? What happens in Florida? Florida is always interesting. And then mm-hmm. maybe some, maybe what happens in Texas, but I don't need the blow by blow. It's tight. It's neck and neck. Oh, somebody's edging ahead. Oh, wait, it's, I, I just can't this time. So my mm-hmm. plan is a combination of modern family, Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> different world, soul food, and waiting to exhale. Like I'm just going to have a playlist of stuff that is on while I go about my day that allows me to laugh and kind of get involved, but Mm -hmm. not deal with uh, the the play by play, except I might check and I don't really want to check Twitter because so much to do. You can get pulled in, but I'm Mm going to look at my friend Jesse's Facebook page and let him tell me kind of what's the interesting stuff I can take from it. And then I'm going to stop. I'm not going to look at all of Facebook. (laughs) I'm scared. And then <laughs> and, and then we're not going to find out the next day anyway. But no. I do feel like Jesse said we're going to have it could be chaos from now from then until we hear the true answer. And then there'll be chaos if we have to go to the Supreme Court. I mean, so I'm just expecting oh, it's, it's the world to go crazy. We, we get ready. So for those of you who did not take advantage of early voting, get ready. Because <laughs> when you go to the polls on Tuesday, it's probably going to be some uh Real, real disinterested conservative. Uh, I'm not even gonna say because these are just gonna be racist people with guns who are gonna be at the, at the polling places. So you're expecting uh, racists with guns at the polling place? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you saw they stopped Joe Biden's um, bus, I his campaign that. bus in Alabama. Yeah, this thing is going down because people know 
that the vast majority, we've got like record levels of early voting numbers. Yeah, right? Right. Black people showed out. Black people, I am proud of you. People don't <laughs> want to say how proud mm-hmm. they are. I am proud of you. We came out and, and for the most part, with the exception of Lil Wayne Ice Cube, we know who everybody else is voting for. So, <laughs> so we came out and we showed out. We just waited in lines. They did all kinds of voter suppression techniques. We were prepared. We had our water, our cheeseburgers. We just waited in line the whole two hours and did what we need to do to get this vote. So the issue that I want people to understand is most of these places where you do early voting, they're not allowed to count your votes until election day. So if you've done your voting, you've done your job, you're out the way. But for those people who are either undecided, which I call Trump uh, voters in disguise, or um, for those people who just didn't get around to it and waited, you now need to be ready because it's going to look like an episode of G.I. Joe when you go down to the polling place. And I've seen situations, it's not just black people. This is like white on white crime happening with, with Biden and Trump supporters at a polling place and people being upset. So um, hopefully everybody got out early voted, and did what they need to do. But if you got to go down there, you know, some people just like the drama, you know. What I'm so so you gonna go watch some drama. of this drama? Are you gonna travel around and check the the polls, polling oh, sites? Am I gonna go to the poll? No, yeah. no, no, no. I'm good. I did my job. <laughs> I voted. No, but I will be watching the news stories um, okay. because you know we were talking a little before the show about Alamance County, and I don't know if y'all remember when they had that rally maybe like a month ago, and the lady came out with like the the phallic symbol on her face. And, yeah, um, yeah, which really didn't make sense at all. It, and I I just thought was hilarious. Racism, especially stupid racism, like people who aren't going to be benefited by the election of either one of the presidents. This is funny to me. It's like, wow, you are really willing to destroy your reputation, your career, your everything for somebody who really doesn't care about you at all. Uh-huh. And it's going to take your health care. But good luck with that. I haven't <laughs> figured it out. Like, I have a background. No, I don't have a background. I went to school for four years and majored in psychology because mm-hmm. I like to watch behavior, study of human behavior. So even though I, you know, I got one degree with that, I still continue all my life is to to, to pay attention to human behavior. I haven't been able to figure this one out. Mm-hmm. Like I am perplexed. It's like it's not in your best nature. How do you ignore all you know everything and still gung ho? Like, and I can't figure out. Well. Actually, I think I have some ideas about Ice Cube and um, Lil Wayne, and and I was kind of putting Fifty Cent in there too. I know he kind of backtracked, but vacillating, yeah, yeah. But (laughs) I, I don't, you know, them people on the edge. What do you call? Mm? So Mm -hmm. uh, this was the wrong time to be on the fence. So I, I, it, it, it does perplex me. And then I won't be at any of the polls. I think it will hurt my. I say this, it'll hurt my heart to see the voter, um, the attempts to uh, intimidate the voters Mm -hmm. who come out on Tuesday. I say that I'm not going to go out myself, but I have a friend who is a photographer and he precisely does that type of thing. He'll Mm -hmm. go, he'll take pictures. He was there at um, the Alamance County um, poll, you know, march to the polls and was able to take pictures of the chaos that ensued on yesterday. Mm-hmm. With uh, these black people marching to the to the uh, to the voting polls, it was it was horrible. I just called Ramel this morning. I was like, "Oh, it's so terrible! I can't <laughs> believe it." You know, I thought it wasn't true, but I had to find out from a firsthand uh, uh, person. Yeah, that this is exactly what happened, and it do- it feels like another point in time. It's like I expected my mama to have stories like this. I never right. expected that I right. would have stories that my kids would have to watch mm-hmm. real time stories like this. And all of that has been making me feel like I need a vacation from this mm-hmm. America, the beautiful. Like, I just need a break to not have to worry about that. Because, like, Jesse, you go outside, you want to go to the store and a police officer pulls up behind you. Mm-hmm. Like, you cool, right? Everything's great. Mm-hmm. You're just going to go to no. the store. No, no, I'm I'm panicking. Uh, I'm making out my will in my head, <laughs> thinking about what's going to happen. Uh, but you know, this is this is something I do want to emphasize, just based on the point you just brought up, right? Uh-huh. One of the reasons why I don't let the elections and politics and stuff 
get to me so much and I make jokes about it is because America been racist, right? <laughs> we've been racist. We, we got jaded because of Barack Obama, but we've been racist, right? <laughs> so I look at, you know, I grew up under Reagan when he flooded my neighborhood with crap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he tried to kill us, right? Okay, that, there's that. George Bush, the first Bush, he sent us to war. I look at Clinton, we had some good years. I look at George W. Bush, who had us in Katrina, had, it wasn't providing any kind of relief. You know, America been racist. And I think what happened is by Barack Obama becoming president. Oh, we got to blame this on Barack. No, no, no. I'm oh, not okay. blaming on Barack okay. at all. He did what he was supposed to do. Right. He, people were incensed mm-hmm. at the fact that they feel like they're losing something because mm-hmm. they've had 43 consecutive white presidents. Okay, that's a good Borderline race presidents, mm-hmm. if not outright slave owners in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then they got Barack Obama, and it was like, whoa, we lost something. Meanwhile, black people were like, oh, well, we didn't necessarily gain anything. We just see a new, a new perspective, a new mm-hmm. experience. But this is the thing. I don't think that the issue is going to come down to a white versus black issue. Because I think black people are used to this. Like, we used to the games. Like, we know that everybody's trying to take advantage. Mm-hmm. I think what it comes down to is there's a, an awakening, in a sense, of mm-hmm. white people, right? Mm-hmm. So there are some people after George Floyd that were like, I can't believe stuff like this is happening in America. And black people was like, it happened to me yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Yeah. Um, so there's an awakening. And it's a country that, you know, they're, they're starting to reveal the mask to show what mm-hmm. America really is. Pun, pun here with the those mask. people are like, you know, I, I, I didn't realize I had so much in common. Or I didn't realize that black people were dealing with so much and we've got to fight. We've got to fight. And those people want to jump in and like basically declare revolution. Whereas we're like, well, no, we just want to get home. Right? <laughs> so, uh, like, just, cool. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we're, we're dealing with a lot of stuff, but I also feel like as black people, we were born for such a time as this, right? All of this that you're talking about from what our parents experienced, our grandparents experienced, it's all been woven into the tapestry of blackness that make us who we are today. So we're, there's a reason we're sitting here. You know, my great grandfather didn't have a college education and law degree. My grandmother didn't have a college education and law degree. My mom didn't have a college education and law degree. I do, right? Like, so we are mm-hmm. steadily progressing. Mm-hmm. And because we're progressing, we have a responsibility to continue that progress. And there are going to be people in this country who do not want to see you have that progress, right? Right. I just thought they would want to like hide and not fly, fly a flag about mm-hmm. it, you know? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very disappointed that. I know that there's a pe- there are people out there, and I know racism just doesn't go away mm-hmm. in a hundred years. I mean, it, it takes a while. I get that. I just you said black people didn't really get anything when Obama was president, but I feel like I I did, and then I was taken. I was like, oh, I y'all come on, we're gonna go get the American flag for the first time. Mm-hmm. And wave it at the Fourth of July, and this is going to be so exciting. And mm-hmm. so, I thought there is truly potential for this country. I'm able to see it make leaps and bounds in my time uh, period. So I was excited and you know proud, and so mm-hmm. something I was get, I did take something from it. Now maybe I shouldn't because I'm not as a history buff like you are. Jesse, <laughs> like you've looked at this, you you like I could have told you that was gonna happen, but um, I did expect something. I don't know. I expected to build onto it mm-hmm. and not go back so far. And so I do feel like something was taken away when I'm explaining stuff that I have to explain to my kids what to make of of the world that we're in today, looking mm-hmm. so much like the stories their grandma could tell them about. So I do feel like something was taken away, but I I appreciate the perspective that we were made for times Mm. like this, because my take is then I need to go somewhere else. I need a vacation from America. And I've Mm -hmm. been looking forward to like, where can I go to chill for a while, experience something different? Let me ask you, you say chill for a while. Do you mean for a little while or a long while? Forever. Forever. You know, I don't mean a two week trip. I'm like, can can I go away for a few years? I I don't know exactly what we need and the best way to do it. And I had been looking at 
what countries um, would be interesting to live in for a while? I always felt like if I could just get away for a while, experience and appreciate other countries and cultures, and then I might be renewed to come back to the United States and continue to fight for how great this country could be. I like the potential that I see here, but right now it is so ugly to me. I just want to get away. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'll tell Romel, I was like, I don't know, this kind of situation, it looks like they, they're inviting us to come visit and look around, like maybe we could live there. So, Jesse, I was listening to your recent podcast, but it was a show mm-hmm. where you were speaking to a woman, an African-American woman who live, who's now living in Ghana, telling us her experience and, and giving advice to people like me, who's like, yeah, um, November 5th, I think I'll be traveling, <laughs> be moving my stuff, packing up my bags and going to Ghana. Yeah. And she let me know I didn't know a lot at all about yeah. what that would look like. So anyway, I just, I, have you thought about that? You don't sound like you, you've thought about that because you sound like you're ready to fight for it, but Oh, absolutely. Well, so this is the thing. I, I think that it is very important that we as Black people reestablish a connection with continental Africa, right? Okay. So um, part of the goal of the show is to bridge the gap between the diaspora. Mm-hmm. Um, but the important thing is people have to understand there's no perfect place, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to lose some things when you leave America and go to Ghana, but you're going to gain things that you didn't appreciate as well. One of the things that you gain is peace of mind. I don't have to worry about my safety when law enforcement comes if I am in Ghana because they're not looking at it through a lens of white supremacy Mm -hmm. in that same way. Now, will you have to bribe a police officer after a certain time at night to get back to where you're trying to go? Maybe, right? But they're not going to kill you for it, right? Um, (laughs) I also think, you know, we have lost out on many generations of connectivity to the Mm -hmm. continent because of slavery and all the things that happened afterwards. Uh, And I think that it's important for people to know that there are folks in Africa who do care about you. Now, that's not to say everybody's going to be your friend as soon as you get off the plane, but there are people who are like, you know, let me retell the story from an African perspective. Let me tell you what was going on here when that was happening, right? Mm -hmm. There are some people and even some countries that were fighting against what was happening. And so what, you know, what gets portrayed oftentimes is this narrative that uh, African people sold us into slavery and they don't care about us or whatever. And sometimes that's true, depending on where you are. Sometimes that's not true. More often than not, it's not true. It's the fact that people with guns came fighting folks with spears, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't much that you could do to win the fight. I think also culturally, we tend to, as Americans, we tend to be centrist in the way that we view uh, our perspective. So we look at everything as how it relates to America, right? Mm-hmm. We don't think about how does the stuff America does relate to everyone else. Mm-hmm. So when you go and you travel to these other places and you see places, particularly places like Senegal, that they don't have much interaction with America. There's not much to do, but they love black people, right? <laughs> you can come through. They love your tourism money. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not you'll be accepted there, I think really depends on the community that you're in. I think also there are a lot of people who are in Africa who are what we call expats, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. gave up their American citizenry or whatever and moved. And they're living just fine. They're having great lives. They have houses. They have have everything that people don't necessarily look at. Mm -hmm. Africa is a very wealthy continent. Um, And so what I mean by that is everybody may not have the the tangible things that we equate to to wealth. Mm -hmm. They may not have the clothes, the fashion designer clothes and the Lamborghinis and all that. But even in a country like Nigeria, we're talking about the top part of the country is all gold, right? There's gold. Mm-hmm. And then the bottom part of the country is coal. So are they ever going to really be broke? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like there, there's somebody who's going to be controlling the money. Doesn't mean it gets distributed to everyone. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot more people who are in particularly West Africa who are doing very well than what the media would want to portray. Because gotcha. the media wants you to think, oh, if you had stayed in Africa, you would have had flies on your kids. Right. And, blah, blah. <laughs> and that's not true. It's people, who, you know, look at the cities. Even if you go on Google Maps and just go through, mm-hmm. they got high rises. They got, you know, mm-hmm. mansions on the beach. They've got stuff too. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of, will you mesh well with the community? So that's why I would encourage before anybody 
says, I'm just going to go move, go visit, meet mm-hmm. people, find out the processes. Some places it's easier to get land than others. Some places you can have dual citizenship and not others. Mm-hmm. So meet people, build a relationship and don't look at it for just the benefit that you're going to get by going. Mm-hmm. But what do you bring to the table as well? Because you're going to be expected to be part of a community. A community. Right. Right. You don't pull me out mm-hmm. like that. Like, what do I have to offer? Mm-hmm. I'm looking for a vacation. But okay, I get it. That makes that's that's the way you should think. What can I contribute? And uh, absolutely, I, w- I was thinking about what I was going to get. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think too. I think you have to be realistic about your expectations, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because as Americans, we get used to our power being on twenty four hours a day. Right. And, you know, there are going to be countries, whether you're in Africa or somewhere else, where you're not going to have power 24 hours a day, you know, that you have necessarily the greatest running water all the time. And you just kind of get used to that um, here. Um, and Absolutely. so you have to. I think it's important, like you're saying, you have to be able to be there for a little bit. You can't just be there for a week and go, yep. That's where I'm going for the next 10. (laughs) You know, you have to be able to really experience and uh, the different areas. I I would imagine if you went for even one or two weeks, you're going to be in probably whatever the tourist areas are probably set up to accept somebody who's coming for a couple of weeks. So Mm -hmm. it just seems like you have to kind of get out of that the visitor kind of mentality right. if you sure. if you're going to expat if you're going to spend real time there right i mean yeah, yeah. And, and there are a lot of expats who are very happy because i mean to be honest there's a lot of people in america who don't have lights 24 hours and mm-hmm. don't have food and all that but we don't necessarily highlight that because america True. highlights what the majority gets right um but in in africa i think it's different like you do have to learn how to work a generator you do have to learn in certain places, you know, especially like Legos, surrounded by water, but the water is not drinkable, right? right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you have to get accustomed to a different way of living. But I also don't want people to just look at only the negatives. Like, you're going to get stuff that you did not get in America. You're going to have sure. a sense of community where there are people who will come to your house randomly to check on you and make sure that you're doing well, Right. right? You might not have that in America, or you might not trust to open the door right. for the people who will do that in America, right? Um, right. And it's well, not I think there's a there's a balance there because absolutely. you have to you have to be able to say you have to make the choice. Like if you don't go and go with the mindset of okay, yeah, like you said, what can I give? But what can I deal with? And what's important to me in order for to make my experience here? Um, workable, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, cause it might not be important for you to have, um, electricity 24, 24 hours a day. But if you have a person who might have some kind of physical need for mm-hmm. that, that might be imperative and that might not work out for you, but Absolutely. yeah, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. I'm just saying, you know, you have to, you have, there's give and take, just like when you want to go and buy a house, Mm-hmm. You go in there and you want all the things, right? Yeah. <laughs> you want all the things. This is what I want to make my perfect house. Mm-hmm. But then you realize that comes with a price tag and then you have to go, okay, so, okay, I don't need the jacuzzi. Okay. <laughs> you so, know, there, you know, you have to figure out what is going to really work for you. Well, I don't have a jacuzzi and or a Lamborghini as Jesse referred to. And I recognize there's a give and a take. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, you know, there's 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 the good and the bad are the what we have now and what I wouldn't have over there. And wow. I still feel young enough, open enough, healthy enough to try something different. Or at least I want to know what it is that makes the expats who are there right now happy and stay. And I want to know that life. I am curious because I suspect that there's something that is filling their soul there. Mm-hmm. that makes it worth it, makes it like, and this feels good. And because I don't have a lot of international travel experience, first of all, I think most people should, and that would give a lot of perspective. So I'm interested and open enough to to learn about a different culture. Mm-hmm. But if I could go and feel like I'm at home or feel a sense of community, I can see myself getting comfortable with that 
feeling of community, even if it means I don't have some of the other things that I enjoyed over here. I think it is enough of a um, dissonance going on with, I've got a lot of great things in America, but it doesn't feel good to me. Mm, so what what would it, you know, maybe it's worth going somewhere else, you know? De- definitely go. I, I, I'll tell you, I've had at this point about four people in my life who have become expats and wow. moved largely to Ghana, but moved to Africa mm-hmm. nonetheless. None of them have come back. <laughs> None of them come back. They, they never come back. And, and this is the thing, like, your food is fresh. It's not mm-hmm. like McDonald's. They don't have McDonald's 24 hours unless you're in a big city. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to plan your meals. And a lot of times people are at markets where they're selling fresh fish that just came out the ocean. Yeah. Um, you're getting fresh vegetables that grew in somebody's yard. Like it, everything is fresh. You walk a lot. You do a lot of stuff as a community. It's just people who have had health issues in, in America and go to Africa, and because of that dietary lifestyle and that movement lifestyle, it changes. Your work days aren't the same, right? It's not. It's not like the American forty-hour work week. It's more so, you know, the community needs X, Y, and Z. You deliver X, Y, and Z. Um, it also helps the privilege you have as an American. I don't think Americans appreciate how much money we make here mm-hmm. compared to where everybody else is. Now, Africa is progressing very quickly, mm-hmm. so that they're catching up. They're, they're not anywhere near a dollar-for-dollar dollar exchange, mm-hmm. but they're getting hit to the fact <laughs> that a lot of Americans are coming and a lot of Americans bring a lot more money. So, mm-hmm. you know, what you might be struggling, you know, and I grew up in the hood, so trying to get stuff like an apple or fresh fruit was more expensive than getting the 40. Like, right. So it's, no, you know, that's true. Where, where you can go there and it's growing on trees. You can have a mango tree, coconut tree, apple trees, like whatever. Um, and so you're eating fresh. You're not eating processed foods. It's different. And it changes your body's composition. It changes who you are. Once you get embedded in the community, then you feel like you have a purpose. Um, and I feel like I can see why people do it. Mm-hmm. The, the problem that I have with it, though, is I feel like, and this is just me, our ancestors toiled here mm-hmm. to build a country. And I'm pretty sure they didn't build it just to be like, oh, yeah, let white people keep having it. Like, I think in their heart of hearts, they were like, I know today what it looks like. Right. But at some point, my great grandkids are going to be able to sit in this Oval Office. Mm-hmm. Right. At some point, this is going to be for you. We built this. And so it's hard for me to say with all that kind of, you know, blood and sweat equity that went into this and the fact that they weren't paid for it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to be like, well, y'all get to have it. And I'm just going to go somewhere. <laughs> it's like, no. But don't you have like, like moments of that? Like, you know, a couple times a week. Is that just mm-hmm. me? You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you can have it fine. You know, but, but you're right. I, I love mm-hmm. that different perspective of, ancestors built the foundations here mm-hmm. and they probably want us to stake a claim and make it better for everybody. Yeah. Not even just us, just say everybody. It's supposed to be a, a melting pot. There's lots of different people can come to America, but we'd like to see them all have respect and be treated equally. And I hear you. I swear. I think I needed this conversation because I was like, and so what are the rates for Ghana? That's the air flight rates for Ghana again. And how much does it cost to, to, to ship stuff over? flying right now, though. Yeah. It's <laughs> and it's the other thing is about Ghana specifically. So Ghana's uh, COVID levels remained pretty low. We don't really know why. Uh-huh. But one of the things is Ghana is a very, very clean country. So mm-hmm. you have to get tested twice to come in and to leave, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And that's the test in America. And then you get there, you get tested again before they allow you entry there. And then same deal coming back. They also have hand washing stations everywhere, right? So they they really acclimated to COVID-19 lifestyle very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Normally a clean place anyway, but they are extra clean now because of COVID. And even now Ghana is starting to see some uh, uptrend or uptick in, in the number of COVID cases, just like everybody, everybody else. else right. So I think that those things do create a concern. Now, also, plane tickets to Ghana right now, this is probably as cheap as it's ever been. <laughs> so if you're trying to get one, I think you can do like 600, 700 mm-hmm. now. 
Wow. Um, they never make it easy for you to get to Africa. That's that's the key. <laughs> right? They never make it easy. No. Uh, so you can you can get them. What I would say is I encourage people mm-hmm. go visit first. Yeah. Ghana has great beaches. You can go to Seychelles. They have great beaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but go visit first. Get your tourist lifestyle on. Enjoy okay. it. And then just dabble a little bit in the culture and see what you like. Okay. Then you can say, okay, well, I like this area. I like this temperature because it's going to be a different temperature than what you're dealing with here. I think so, I might like that, though. Yeah. I know I mean, how my body might. works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's you cold may. all the time. I think I was meant to be somewhere else. I swear it. Okay. You may. But yeah, def- definitely go out. I, I encourage people to visit. I think uh, Ghana is, has been stable for a long time and has been big on African-Americans returning back mm-hmm. uh, and contributing and, and all that. So the support is there for Ghana. I, I think Nigeria was kind of like that, but Nigeria is dealing with police brutality issues for uh, a different uh, reason. Yeah, I said right. I need a vacation from that. <laughs> yeah, we're not going, we're no. not dealing with other we're, people's n- police. No. Absolutely. <laughs> I understand. I understand. And I do want to shout out to people in the NSARS movement who are yes. on the ground there um, yeah. doing good work. Um, Senegal, right? Senegal, a lot of people go to Dakar, Togo, Benin. You know, West Africa is really jumping. Now, South Africa is more like America. So I think, you know, you'll be dealing with American issues. No, no. <laughs> see, see, yeah. Just remember what I'm trying to do here. Right. Yeah. I'm not looking for America somewhere else. I am definitely looking for a non-American, a less American experience. Absolutely. Well, the key is just like if you would go to L.A. or Philadelphia or whatever, you wouldn't just randomly go to Philadelphia and be roaming the streets of North Philly at three o'clock in the morning unless you're trying to get robbed. Uh, What you would do is you would get to know somebody. (laughs) You'd have somebody on the inside to a guy. Mm Because you're still going to be American when you get there. Right. Right. Depending on who the person is is interacting with you, that may or may not be a good thing, right? So you get to know some people when you go on vacation. They usually are pretty good if you get a um, Airbnb of setting up like guides and stuff, drivers mm-hmm. to take you around, uh, and just make good good connections with people. And they can tell you like these are the spots. This is where stuff is good. If you want to buy, um, buying real estate isn't as easy as people make it seem like mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. It's very cheap compared to America. So I think people are paying. I saw like advertisements for beachfront three story property for thirty five thousand dollars. Right? No. Um, yeah, I'm but it must be hard home. because why wouldn't I just be like, well, hold on, I'm gonna go do that and 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 real quick. It must be hard to get about to actually buy it. Then their their concept of land distribution is very different. So one of the things that people don't know is, and I'm learning this through through my podcast partner is the way that it's set up is there are certain places that are villages that are controlled by chiefs, right? And the chief can, I don't want to say arbitrarily, but he can kind of make the rule as to how land will be distributed and used. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if he tells you no, there is no appeal. Like that's that's a final no, right? So unless you got military and you plan on running up in there, which is not going to make you any friends, uh, the no is final. And that's it. So I think there are certain areas where uh, if you do want to do it, what they encourage you to do is like buy land and then build up mm-hmm. and get what you want. But even the land transactions, it's not something simple. Tricky. It's not like register a deeds office here. Yeah. You- okay. See? Okay. So there's, there's hurdles and, and challenges. Yeah. What is hurdles that can be overcome if you know good people on the ground who can this is This is a venture here. This is not just a a, a transaction. This is like, it's got to be weaved into my lifestyle to make this work. Interesting. What do you think is like, you have friends who who are expats. Mm -hmm. Is there one thing that they wish they had done differently? Is there like a, I really think I overlooked this and I could have done this better or differently going through this process? Um, If so, they have not told me. I think um, a a lot of them came from situations where I feel like they just had the American experience. It's like, I don't want but law enforcement. I don't think people appreciate how much law enforcement deters some black people from wanting to be here Mm -hmm. because some of us get picked on more than others. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I know my first friend in college, when he went, 
um, he wanted to sell like bow ties and stuff, which in America get in line, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, he was the only person selling bow ties in the in the town in Ghana that he was in. Mm-hmm. And the difference from what he tells me is these people came to my bow tie shop and said, "Oh, this is amazing stuff." First off, have you eaten? And he was like, uh, no. <laughs> so they started cooking food for him and bringing food to him. And then they would encourage wow. people to buy from his tie shop. And there's no other tie shop. They don't even need the bow ties. But they just want to buy them. <laughs> keep them afloat because it's part of the community. Oh, and as wow. a result, he started going to church with them. He started doing stuff that they do. They have a lot of festivals and holidays. Yeah. And he just wanted to be part of it. And they were happy to have him. And he was happy to be there. So he was like, why would I ever leave this? Like, I'm never right. going to starve. Right. Wow. My best interest. I would never leave. Now, there's a lot of privilege that's woven into that, too. Right. Mm -hmm. So he has the ability to leave if he wanted to. Right. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I think, and this is something I'm learning from my conversation with Dr. Lewis yesterday. Mm -hmm. I think these issues of patriarchy are not just American issues. So Mm -hmm. I think being a man, you do have a privilege when you go to some of these countries because you're an American man at the end of the day. So, you know, there, there are some people who will say, Hey, you know, if I marry him, then I'm going to get somewhere. There are some people who will say, well, let's take care of him because he's a man. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think some people are going to, you know, feel like, okay, it's nice to be the priority for a change instead of the enemy of the state, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm not trying to cast any judgment on, on the people there, but I think, it's multifaceted depending on where you go because mm-hmm. he's in the town and not in Accra or a big city, right? Okay. So mm-hmm. it depends on where you go. It depends on the country because leadership is important, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we know that it, really, 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 really well. Really well. Like, I figured that out. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> leadership is vastly important. And it depends. Like, you know, if you, there are people in Lagos and Lagos has money, so your money doesn't really mean much there, right? right. Like, Lagos, okay. you're going to be hustling. You're going to be out here trying to sell something because in order for you to pay rent or in order for you to keep up, um, you're, you're going to have to keep it going as opposed to if you just have a kitty that you've set up in America and you're moving to a Senegal or you're moving somewhere else mm-hmm. and you can just kind of siphon off of it little by little. It's great for people who are retiring and who've got the 401ks. Right. And, okay. Now, you know, you don't need 24 hour generator access because you're going to be asleep for 12 hours. What I will encourage people to do, regardless of if you move, definitely visit. But the main thing, the reason why we launched the Pan-Africana show is I want black people, no matter where you are in the world, to realize and appreciate that at the end of the day, we're all related. And at the end of the day, we need to emphasize our excellence and our accomplishments. We need to build relationships because we don't necessarily need Western society or the apparatus in order for us to have flourishing businesses. People can buy products and services across the internet. We got Rihanna's internet going on right now. Everybody can come out here and and sell, buy, exchange ideas, all this stuff. We don't need Western society to be great. And if you, you know, make a friend in another country, won't hurt. It sounds like to me, just based on your friend's story, it's like to be like more successful, you really have to be willing to not only just know the area, but be a part of the area. And I think you were really kind of mentioning that earlier Mm -hmm. is just really becoming part. You can't just go there and set up a house and just exist if you really want to um, meld to integrate Mm -hmm. you know you have to really get to know your neighbors and stuff like that it's very easy to do here in the united states i mean like there are people who buy a house and they can live next to their neighbors for multiple years and barely know their first name stop talking about me huh (laughs) we are on the air stop talking about me (laughs) yeah but it just it just sounds like it's a lot of countries have a different sense of community and quite frankly the um, african-american culture at least what i remember hearing is it takes a village to raise a child i haven't seen that america that you know that that right now you better not talk to somebody else's kid Mm -hmm. you know so I heard that that was a thing, but I haven't seen it in action. And listening to you describe a sense of community, 
I'm thinking, that sounds amazing. I don't know, Jesse. You might be like sending me off <laughs> instead of <laughs> convincing me to stay. But I do appreciate both both sides of the story. And I was never interested in going away for good. But mm-hmm. my life might not feel complete if I don't spend some quality time somewhere mm-hmm. like that. Like and and that quality time might be two weeks once a year or two mm. weeks twice mm-hmm. a year or mm-hmm. a big nice vacation and, and spend some quality time somewhere where I can get and understand and appreciate that. So mm-hmm. it gives me a lot to think about. This has been great, actually. Thank you so much. <laughs> Google really- search. It's, it's a country called Seychelles. Google search the beaches in Seychelles. S-E-Y-C-H-E-L-L-E-S. If you see the beaches and you actually go to the beach, you won't come back. As a matter of fact, if you Google search it, the people that you see on the beach don't look like us. That's how great the beach is because they like, oh, we're going to take advantage. Wow. <laughs> it's, oh, wow. Um, okay. It's there, and, and it's not just there. There are a lot of places. Uh, I think that the biggest travesty of, of Western media is that they depict Africa as something less than what it really is. Mm-hmm. But it's, it works in two ways because a lot of people, when we initially launched the program, had different notions about what black Americans were about. So yeah. I got questions about like, how long have I been out of jails? It's like, we're all in jail. We're all dealing with problems with the police. And, and so there was a need for re-education on both sides. Mm-hmm, They're not you. all impoverished and flies jumping on them. Right. We're all in jail, but we've been lied to. And then the question is, well, why, mm-hmm. why have we been lied to to it's- not, understand one another's perspective and the only reason that i can provide for that is it helps to maintain the supremacy yeah the the division of it right yeah it works very well for racism right right (laughs) and and i'll come back this is another topic for another day but (laughs) i had a conversation with a friend of mine (laughs) on my other podcast where i said uh well you know racism is the only thing that america really has built without black people Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i'm writing that quote down right yes oh my goodness yeah that's pretty crazy (laughs) i'm really writing that down that's gonna go in the list she's like i'm taking a break really quickly that's why they're fighting so hard to keep it you know That's kind of crazy when you think about it, but it it seems true. They are very, they're working very hard to keep it around. And with, especially with the threat, like you said, of other people being awakened, like having that veil lifted for them finally to see a little bit with a little bit more perspective Mm -hmm. than it, whenever people are threatened. That's the thing. So even, even to go back to your earlier point about, you know, I thought we were past this. Well, they never changed, right? right. <laughs> they never changed. They're still there. Right. We are past it because we have been able to accomplish right. great things. I see that. You all are on here doing a podcast. Do you know what they would do if they knew y'all had a podcast? Like they knew living, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got technology and all your teeth, right? <laughs> Be living. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think we get any racists racists listening to that podcast. So they still don't know. <laughs> they yeah. still don't know. Yep. Jesse, why don't you tell us where everybody can listen to your podcast? Because you have more than one podcast, And then right? you have a show, so that's not a, a podcast. So, 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 okay, so yeah, well, give us the rundown because we want to hear that. Okay. Well, first and foremost, we've been talking about uh, the Pan-Africana show. It's mm-hmm. a show on YouTube. Just type in Pan-Africana. It'll come up. Uh, we're also on Facebook. You can like our page there. Uh, I co-host it with Fred Nantra, who is Ghanaian. He's in America currently. He is awesome. He is a wealth of knowledge about all things Ghanaian and a wealth of knowledge really about all things continental Africa. So definitely reach out. If you're interested in going to Ghana, definitely reach out. He's going to give you like 50 pages of stuff. <laughs> I'm ready. Bring Her it. notebook. Her notebook yeah. is ready. Um, the, the other show I do is the Brothers in Law podcast. And this is one I co-host with my good friend, Sean Carter. Uh, he's a Harvard Law graduate. 
he has a great story about how when he was a 3L at Harvard, Barack Obama was a 1L and he used to tease him for having a funny name. Didn't know he was going to grow to be president. Uh, but Sean is amazing. He's a legal humorist now. So he travels the world uh, telling jokes about legal ethics issues to teach lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do a show, Brothers in Law. It's more about pop culture from Black attorney perspectives. Um, our base audience, surprisingly, is Australian. So shout out to all the mates down in Australia. <laughs> Not oh sure God. how that happened. Okay. Um, and then lastly, so I have a solo podcast. Uh, it's, it's I'm changing the name of it. I'm changing the concept of it. So I won't even advertise it right now. But it started off as being a Black history podcast, mm-hmm. uh, just about Black history you don't know. And it, it, um, people who follow me on Facebook, you know, in February, I do my 28 slash 29 days of black history, kind of typing up perspectives of different figures in black history who were mentioned to us, but we don't necessarily get the full story of how it happened. So, mm-hmm. you know, people like Daniel Hill Williams, they'll say, oh yeah, he was a black guy. First black guy who did heart surgery. No, he was the first doctor to do heart surgery. Not the first wow. black guy, the first doctor wow. ever. Right. And then you say, well, how does a black person in the late 1800s, early 1900s even get to be a heart surgeon? It's illegal for you to learn. Right. (laughs) Right. And and nobody tells you that you're just left out there. It's like, okay, well, we know the fact. So I actually do the digging and I do the research for people. Just stuff like that, that I'm like, look, people need to understand the stories that, that make us who we are. And even for HBCUs, like kind of the backstories of our institutions, of how we're here and why they are testaments that should be honored uh, as we move forward. Just because like, if you understand the greatness that you come from, then you start understanding the greatness that you do. And at some point, 30 years from now, people will be looking back and reading about you, right? So what do you do with that information? Do you do something destructive? So people be like, oh yeah, you know, He's the biggest crip in Tennessee. <laughs> do you do that? Or do, or do you do something and say, you know what? This dude, you know, dismantle systemic racism, right? So. You sound like a black historian. That's what you, you sound like I mean, a historian. I think that's what he, he is. Yeah. I mean, like he might I'm, call him I called you a else. lawyer. Yeah. How dare. <laughs> How dare. I, I limit who you are and what that, that is. That was amazing. Can, can you tell me what your superpower is? I think I know, but my I'm just going to. was my blackness. Yes. It's, I'm sorry. It's my blackness. Your, your blackness is <laughs> your superpower? I am the most, probably the most pro-black person you've ever met, unless I'm standing beside Farrakhan. Um, so, I, 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 you know, I just feel like we oftentimes throughout history just get overlooked, like ridiculously. Mm-hmm. And devalue so much so that it becomes part of the American conditioning. So when you have conversations about things like reparations and folks are like, well, you need to stop feeling so entitled for reparations. It's like, no, it's not entitlement. If you owe your credit card company, you're going to have to pay them back with interest. You owe us. You're not paying us back. So I'm going to get these, these bars off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> do what I, I want to do until you decide that you're going to act right and pay us what you owe. And they'll never do that. And we understand that. Right. But we're not stop fighting for it. So I think your blackness, when you do the studies of where we come from as a people, who we are as a people, the the fact that we were able, like, you know, again, America didn't create anything. Well, I'll take it back. America created America and America created racism. They created America with racism, right? right? right. (laughs) So I, I just love history because these relationships are important. So if you look back at American history, we declare independence from the British crown. Why? Because we were getting taxed without representation. Mm-hmm. People thought taxation without representation was tyranny. Mm-hmm. So they gathered all these folks to start fighting the British and to go into these secret rooms to craft out a whole new government mm-hmm. and have slaves bringing them up the bin. Like that's, that's hypocritical to the <laughs> utmost extent, right? And they wrote these great documents talking about, you know, their inalienable rights. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. They had slaves who didn't have control of their life. They didn't have liberty. Mm-mm. They certainly weren't pursuing no happiness. No. Right? Yeah. So you made this great document, which I think is something that is is uniquely American and is a value we should hold. But you weren't even implementing that. You were just mad because you got taxed. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing you hear in 2020. What does mm-hmm. Donald Trump's campaign say? 
Right. Joe Biden's going to raise your taxes. Right. It's all about tax and not acknowledging the humanity mm-hmm. of the people who are around you, right? right? But Black people have always acknowledged the humanity of the people around us. Mm-hmm. That's why even during slavery, when they took your kids and sent them somewhere else and you were distraught, then other kids from other plantations came in and we were grouped around them and that became your family. So that's why we got play brothers and yeah. cousins and all this stuff because that's how we that's how we cope. That's how mm-hmm. we get by. And the goal was always long-term for us. It was always, look, one day we're going to be free. I <laughs> did a post last week that people were hot about. I saw that. <laughs> I did a post about Lincoln. And I was like, you know, people need to understand that Black people largely freed themselves. And the only reason I don't say that we outright freed ourselves is because there were coalitions of mm-hmm. white people who were right. helping out. Mm-hmm. They were criminals, right? <laughs> they were criminals. White people who were yeah, breaking the law. That's right, to help Black people. Mm-hmm. To freedom. And nobody wants to accept that because everybody wants to think, oh, well, Lincoln came and freed everything and that was okay. No, let me tell you what Lincoln actually did, right? Lincoln wanted to preserve a union. Lincoln said, I want the South to get in line with what I'm doing. If you get in line, you can keep all your slaves. You can do what you want to do. But slaves were already running well before Lincoln was president. We already had the Underground Railroad. We already had people like Harriet Tubman who were out here representing. Like, we were already doing our thing. And what happened was when the South said, okay, we don't care about what you got to say, Lincoln, and they fire on Fort Fisher in South Carolina to say, we don't care about your military either. Lincoln says we go to war, and the North is losing. They're losing because all of their generals our South, our Southern Confederate sympathizers. So they're losing. And he says, we need some people to fight this war. Mm-hmm. Who did he get? Us. <laughs> who are the only people who are willing to say, oh, you gonna give me a gun and I get to kill them? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> and, and it's stories that come out from the Civil War about even though they were ill-equipped, right? Didn't mm-hmm. have caliber of weaponry that everybody else got. Didn't have a respect of their fellow soldiers that everybody else got. Mm-hmm. And if you got caught, you most certainly was getting killed. Like, absolutely, right? right? But they still went out knowing the risks and went and fought the Confederacy and pushed back and turned the tide to give the Union Army time to regroup and replan and to fight these battles that people now don't even know about, right? Mm-hmm. And because of that, and because of the strategy that was implemented as a result of their efforts, the Union Army was able to thwart the Confederacy. So my thing is, if you were already running mm-hmm. from in, in the beginning, mm-hmm. and so you didn't necessarily need the declaration, people was dipping. If um, you already had a network of people who were trying to help you escape, if you were the one who fought and got the freedom because you helped the Union Army win, that sounds to me like you freed yourself, right? right. No, and, I see and what you The only saying. reason that that Lincoln tag is out there is because the the Republican Party likes to say we're the party of Lincoln. It's it's a it's a dog whistle to make it seem like for Black people you owe your freedom to Lincoln, mm-hmm. and to make it seem like for white people or specifically for racists, not for white people, for racists, how dare they be so uppity to not want to to do what you want them to do mm-hmm. because we did all this for them. That's the thing. It's a ploy to make it seem like you're not good enough. Wow. You can never make a decision for yourself. And that's not our society. It wasn't our society when we set up in Eatonville. It wasn't our society when we set up in Tulsa. It wasn't our society. Black people, even Florida and them, black people went to land that white people did not want because yeah. it had snakes and alligators all mm-hmm. over the place. <laughs> and they cleared it and made freaking college institutions that are still around to this day. Mm. And then once they made the institutions, what happened with society? Oh, we want to burn that down. (laughs) That's our story. Mm -hmm. story. So it's not about wanting to integrate us into society, obviously. It's not about wanting to respect our civil rights, obviously. It's not even about us and our separate societies being able to live separate and apart and be successful. It's about control. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like we we don't mind you making stuff if you're making it for us. Right. We don't mind you working hard if you're working at our factory. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you have your own factory and you're competing, that's the problem. And that down. is why reparations won't come. Right. Because hey, <laughs> once it, you get your money, you don't need America anymore. You can be like, all right, I'm good. I'm set up my own company. I make my own Jordans. I'm going to do what I want right. to do. And the whole system has to shift right. to understand that now we have a voice at the table. 
Jesse, thank you so much. I can't wait to have another conversation with you about <laughs> some other stuff because like you just dropped all the knowledge yeah, and a lot I'm going here. like, wait a minute, there's more. I know there's more. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm available. I'm here. All right. <laughs> We're going to have to tag you on that one. Now, don't forget to come and listen to Jesse's podcast and his show. Please check him out. You will not be disappointed. Okay. So once again, we want to thank Jesse McCoy for stopping by and chatting with us. Listeners, we appreciate you coming by and until next time peace and blessings thanks for joining us today don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast you can also find us on facebook twitter and instagram at girl podcast that's girl with three r's and if you want to participate in our segment ask your girlfriends email us at girlpodcast at gmail.com that's girl with three r's (laughs) so until next time peace Peace and and blessings. blessings